My name is Stephanie, and it's so great to be with you this morning. Uh, I've been at Emmaus for a while now, and this week our pastor, Nathan Oates, and a large group of men in our community are away at men's retreat, and that's at Point Reyes on the coast, so they should be coming back looking rugged, smelling interesting, and probably very full up in their spirits, so that's fantastic. Do you mind if I open in prayer for us today? Let's do that. Father God, we are so thankful for this place, a place where we can worship together, a place where we can learn and grow together. And we pray this morning as we search your word that you would search our hearts. Help us, Father, to uh, grow, to look more like Jesus and more like uh, the people you've created us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in a sermon series on stability And when I told that to my sister who doesn't attend church here, she was like, oh, so are you going to do scripture about, you know, being tossed to and fro from the waves and like being secure on the firm foundation of Jesus? And I told her, no, uh, this is about the vow of stability that Benedictine monks take. And she was like, what? Where are you going? (laughs) Uh, It's an interesting concept, but it's one that we were lucky enough to be delving into together because our pastor, Nathan Oates, was recently in uh, Italy where he stayed at a monastery and learned that one of the vows that the monks make when they join is a vow of stability. And that essentially is saying... I commit to be here with these people in this time. Is that a fair description of this series? So today, last week he went on about, or he he shared about how that affects us personally in our personal walks. So this week, my hope is that we can tease that out a little more and see how our vow of stability, our commitment to uh, be where God plants us, how that affects the world around us. So I'm not going to use uh, an example like Nate did of a monastery. Believe it or not, I've never stayed at a monastery. I've never lived there before. Um, But I have many examples in my own life that help me point to what stability looks like and how it affects people, how it affects the people around us. So I'm going to talk to you about three, three pictures, and I hope that they're tangible for you and they'll help you understand. So the first one is a party. So... Have any of you thrown a party recently, birthday party, like not Christmas party, those are coming up, unbelievably enough. Yeah, birthday parties, dinner parties, um, it seems like they happen in clusters, doesn't it? It's like you'll have nothing for a month and then everything falls on the same weekend, it's just crazy. So, uh, So I was kind of in one of those busy seasons where I was trying to make decisions on what to go to and where to, where to be. So my solution was I'll kind of halfway go here, halfway go there. But I had this one party I had to go to. I had work I needed to do, and I had another place to go. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to breeze in and breeze out. So I go to the party, and I have an appetizer, and I make my way around the room. I'm saying, hey, what's up? How's it going? Talking to people, trying to go a little deep. What's going on in your lives? And I'm keeping track of the time, and I think, I bet I could slip out right now and probably work. I could slip. No one will care. I'll leave. There was something in me that was saying, stay. That was all, just stay. So I was like, all right, I'll stick around. The food smells good, I'll stay for dinner. So stuck around, had dinner, and we're clearing the plates, and I think, hey, now's a good time. I could probably sneak out. But again, I had that feeling like, stay, stay. 
So I stayed. And I stayed through dessert, and I stayed through games and coffee, and I stayed through talking and seeing the first people yawn and the first couple go home. And before I knew it, the party was over, and I was leaving. And I'd been there the entire time. And it was a strangely vulnerable feeling because my behavior was communicating something. It was communicating, I have nothing else to be at other than here. I have nowhere else to go, no one else to see, but you. I'm here for you. And when the party ends is when I go home, but I'm here. I'm here for you. And that's an important message to send, especially in today when there's so many options and so many things to do, and it's hard to make decisions. How, what, what should we go to? What should we do? Who, who should we be involved in life with? That when we communicate, I am here for you, it is a big message of love. If you think about love, the, the different definitions of love, you have friendship love and romantic love, but you also have agape love, or I like to call that choice love. I'm choosing you. I'm choosing to love you. And it doesn't matter about what I'm getting back in return. It's about my choice. So if I go back to this party, the feelings of obligation had already dissolved, the feelings of guilt, the feelings of FOMO, they were all gone. Like The only thing that remained was, I'm choosing to be here. And that makes a difference. That's when you hear people say, being in the hospital, the most important thing was you staying with me, being with me, choosing to be with me. You aren't going to bring a solution for someone. You're not going to be able to uh, help with next steps, typically. It's you choosing to be with them that makes the impact. So choice is, is very important, but it's important to God as well. He gives us the opportunity to choose him because he chose us, right? So that's how we love God. We choose God. We love him with our choice. So when I think of stability, I think about that party. So there's one example we can kind of point to. So the next picture I have of stability is a vacuum. <laughs> I'm just remembering that I need a vacuum. Um, so a vacuum. So this story actually isn't mine. I'm borrowing it. I have a friend who was living in Cambodia and fighting trafficking. So it's this big job and trying to make headway in this battle against evil. And there's all of these things that could be done needing to impact the community and start new initiatives and meet with government officials and pastors and make all this stuff happen. So one day he's preparing a room for a Bible study. There's going to be some people coming into the room, and there's this tiny little square of carpet, and he thinks, I'm just going to run a vacuum over it really quick before the people arrive. So he starts up the vacuum, and as soon as the really loud whir starts with his big open door out into the community, he sees a little head poke, poke around the corner of the, uh, the entryway. And it's this cute little girl. He's been trying to get to come to kids' club, get to know Jesus, hear about her worth, get some help with um, care. But she's always been too afraid. And here she is. She's peeking around the corner, very interested in this vacuum whirring. So he's pushing it forward and back and motions. Here, come on, come try it, come try it. She gets afraid and she runs away. So he thinks, 
the next day, I'm going to try it again. Maybe she'll come. Maybe she'll come back. So he turns it on, and sure enough, there she is. She pokes around the corner. She's watching him, fascinated as he goes forward and back, forward and back. And he, again, motions, do you want to come? She lingers a little longer this time, but she runs away. So the third day, same thing happened, but this time she stayed, and she meekly approached him, and when he held the vacuum up for her, showed her how to put her hand on the handle, go forward and back, forward and back, he said this huge smile broke out on her face. She was just so happy. She learned how to use this crazy thing, and she was going back and forth on the carpet, and he, he helped her from the start to the end until the whole carpet was done. And then she started moving back and going over the carpet again. And he's like, oh, okay, we'll do it again. But then she did it again and again. <laughs> he kind of stands back at this point and is wondering, how long is this going to go on? This poor carpet can't take this really bad vacuum for much longer. Like, it's going to start unraveling at any point. And the time keeps ticking, and his anxiety and blood pressure are rising as the time ticks on, thinking, I have so many things to do. I have so many next steps that are big, crucial moves that have to happen so that I accomplish great things. And in that moment, he felt very strongly that God was speaking to his heart and said, there is nothing better to use your time, to waste your time on, than abiding with this girl. Wasting your time, biding, abiding with others. This is the stability saying, I'm here for you. You're the whole reason that I came all the way across the earth. You're the whole reason that I got up this morning. I'm here to be with you. It's not about cleaning the carpets or some big finish line. It's right here with her, right? So the final example I want to give is of a lemon tree. A lot of pictures of stability in scripture have to do with plants. They have to do with trees and vines and all that yummy stuff. Um, Psalm 1 talks about the tree planted by streams of living water. And in John chapter 15, I'm going to start in verse 1, Jesus talks about him being the true vine. So I'm going to go ahead and read some of this. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to the Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So stability or commitment to where you are is the roots of a tree that goes deep. But that's not the point of the tree. The point of the tree isn't the roots. The roots are unto something greater. The roots enable the tree to do three important things. And the first one is it enables a tree to be pruned. So I just uh, got a house last year. I've been in it for a year now. Oh, my goodness. And it has a yard, my first yard ever. And in the backyard, it has 
you know, beautiful flowers and trees. And one of the things there is a Meyer lemon tree. And this thing is old. It's probably 20-something years old. It's huge. And it's got a ton of branches. And when I moved in, there were hundreds of ready-to-be-plucked uh, lemons. They were, they were choice. They were really good. So I had this old tree, and my dad, who knows way more about keeping plants alive than I do, by the way, before I moved into this house, the only plants I had were succulents, and I killed them. So I didn't have a great track record. I was very nervous about trying to keep all of these, these things alive. So, um, so we decide that we're going to attack the tree with our shears. We're going to go crazy. We're going to get this thing all healthy. There were cross branches that were growing all over each other. There was things hanging off the side. It was just nuts. It was out of control. You couldn't reach most of the fruit on the tree because it was overgrown and crazy. So we started attacking it. And uh, have any of you ever pruned a lemon tree before? Oh, do you still have scars? I do. My word. Uh, the thorns are gnarly, guys. They're not a joke. This has nothing to do with my sermon, by the way. I'm just complaining. At one point, I was chopping off branches and trying to lean into it, and I was getting stabbed in the stomach. Like, it's that intense. Oh, it's that intense. It's crazy. So anyway, that is nothing. Like I said, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, but we pruned it, and I was getting nervous. I told my dad, I think we're overdoing it. We're taking off so much. Is there anything that's going to be left? And he said, Stephanie, you do not have to worry. This thing is so well established that you could chop off almost every branch and it would bounce back. It is fine because this is a healthy, healthy tree. And I thought, gosh, that is such a great picture for us that when we have a healthy root structure, when we're stable, when we're committed, it helps enable us to be pruned in a way where we can grow up healthfully. And pruning is really important, but it's so hard. That's the painful part, being pruned. The equivalent of that illustration for us is being disciplined. It's being challenged. It's being uncomfortable. Anytime we're in one of these junctures, it's the pruning process, becoming more like Christ, more selfless, more loving, that's always going to feel like a death. It's always going to feel like something's getting chopped. But it's so healthy. It's so needed. The pruning forces the nutrients to the healthy parts of the plant. I love that I'm trying to teach you about plants when I'm really just a noob here. I know very little. But... Um, but it forces the nutrients to the healthy parts of the plant so that it will grow up well. And it also, and this is the most important part, it enables healthy fruit, right? John 15, 2 says, Every branch that does bear fruit, God prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Which is the second reason that stability is so important for our process. It's all about the fruit. Fruit feeds people. Fruit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness. It's all the good stuff. Fruit means you as a tree can also say, ah, I figured out why I'm here. I'm here to make lemons. I'm here to make bananas. I'm a banana tree. I'm here to make avocado. 
If you have an avocado tree, can you please speak to me after the service? Thank you. That'd be great. Um, but it helps you understand who you are. This is why I'm here. I make figs. I'm a fig tree. That's who I am. So it's a big, big, important part, but it also glorifies God. As the scripture says, we bring forth good fruit to glorify our Father. But there's one other thing that I, that I feel is important for us to notice in this illustration of a tree about having a healthy root system, and that is the seeds. Beyond being pruned, beyond the fruit, seeds that get sent out so that there's a multiplication. Stability doesn't mean that our world stays small. I don't want you to be confused thinking, uh, if I'm committing, that means my job will always be the same. I am locked into every relationship I have forever. I will never get to move. I will never go anywhere. This is my life. To some extent, it's saying, where I am today, this is the life I am committed to, but it's also being willing to be sent and that's when you're primed to go. That's when you're primed to multiply. And we as a body, we know that we're healthy if we're sending, right? It means we're committed fully to the calling of Jesus. We're present to the here and now. And when we're truly committed to Jesus, when we're stable in the calling, we are primed to go anywhere. I planted some grasses this summer as well. Uh, the, you know the, the little black pots that plants come in when you like go to Green Acres and it has the label on the side and it says full sun, water, please water, and then <laughs> the temperatures that are good and then it says will grow too and it usually says like how big it will get, right? Those things are liars. They're absolute liars because the, gr the grass that I bought and planted, it said that it would get up to about a foot Mm, they are currently over two feet tall. They're huge. They have now become hedges that will keep me from the rest of the world in the front of my house. But they're so healthy and happy and well-rooted. I have three of them that really stuck. One of them is not doing super well. But the three of them that are doing well, they not only got huge, they created these huge stalks of, of seed. And now every time a stiff wind comes, it blows them around so that more grass can be grown all over. The well-rooted ones are the ones that could send forth the seed. Our roots, our community of commitment to Jesus and one another should mean that we are multiplying that work by going out. So there's a big question here, right? How do we know the difference between sending seed or uprooting? Am I uprooting? Am I becoming unstable? <clears throat> I have a little lime tree as well. Now you guys know what my backyard looks like and how crazy it is. Um, I have a little lime tree. It's new, and he's, he's about this tall. He's adorable. And when I planted him, my dad told me, you know, just the most important thing right now is for it to get some healthy roots, make sure it gets some good food, make sure you water it good, make sure you protect its trunk. Are you listening to Dolly? Do you know how to take care of him now? Can you come take care of my yard for me when I leave? Yeah, thank you. Um, so make sure that it's stable. You need, because when you move a plant, it goes into shock. And so I asked him, when should I start chopping off some branches and get it growing? He said, you need to wait a little bit. Wait until 
It can establish its roots and get, get comfortable in the soil. So my question would be, if, you're if you are trying to figure out, am I being sent or am I uprooting, my question is, how open are you to being pruned? How open are you to receive discipline, to commit to work through difficult circumstances, to stay in life with the people around you, even if it's hard, to be uncomfortable if it means growth? If you're committed to those things in your community, then your community can send you out together with joy and see you go and multiply the work of Jesus. If you're avoiding that, if you're avoiding pruning, I would strongly suggest thinking about whether you are uprooting. And avoiding pruning is pretty, pretty popular in today's day and age because pain is so unacceptable for us. Um, but that's the beauty of relationships when we commit and say yes and we choose because we're loving one another, but we're also saying yes to the discipline that it is to be in relationship with people that aren't like us. It's hard. It's a difficult thing. Also, this is a big statement, but leaving because you have a reason to leave is never reason enough. I'm going to let that hang there for a minute. <clears throat> and I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about whatever you're committed to, relationships, friendships, wherever you're at, you will always have a reason to go because someone will always offend you. Someone will always let you down. You won't agree with everything. And that's the beauty. That's the point. Those are the things that sharpen us and shape us. Those are the things that prune us and grow us. That's how we can bear good fruit. So I want to look at John 15 one final time. And I'm going to start at verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it would be even more fruitful. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. Remain in me. Remain in me as I remain in you. Live in me as I live in you. Commit to me as I commit to you. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And what is his command? In verse 17, love each other. We remain in him by remaining with each other. We love, when we love each other, we're being pruned. When we love each other, we bear lasting fruit. The stability of our roots comes down to committing in love, in a love community, choosing to commit and loving one another. He chose us, so we choose each other. We, like the healthy tree, commit to our square of dirt we root deep, we embrace the pruning, and then we bear good fruit, and then we can send seed to the end of the earth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray once again. Father, we do pray that this truth and this reality would go deep in our hearts. I pray, God, that as we're being challenged 
by um, staying in commitment, staying in relationship, um, even when it's hard, that you would help us, God, to lean into the pruning so that we could bear good fruit to glorify our Father in heaven. We also pray, God, that you would help us decipher those moments of uprooting out of fear of pain, out of fear of pruning, and those moments of sending seed and having courage to go forward. God, um, bless this community in the name of Jesus. Help us, God, in this hard reality. And thank you for your commitment and abiding with us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.